So we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, which was originally a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that he started in Corinth, Greece. He was living in Ephesus when he wrote the letter, uh, but he'd been visited by some folks from Corinth who gave Paul an update on kind of the happenings of the church, and they also brought him some theological questions the church was wrestling with. The New Testament had not yet been written, and so Christians were, uh, they had a lot of questions about uh, how do we follow the, the Messiah as uh, Gentiles, and what's the difference in the New Age, how do we apply the Old Testament today, and so uh, Paul writes to address their, both their situation and their question. This is the seventh week in the series. If you've missed any of the earlier sermons, I encourage you to catch up online, clearwater.church, or you can download the Clearwater Church app and uh, take us with you on the go. We did have uh, a couple of weeks, we had uh, some technical difficulties and didn't get the sermon uh, recorded. I apologize, especially last week's sex talk. <laughs> if you missed it, bummer, you missed it. So uh, week one, we talked about the world's wisdom versus God's wisdom. Uh, last week, or no, I'm sorry, second week, we talked about divisions in the church, the importance of unity. Uh, we talked about excommunication. Uh, when would it ever be appropriate to ask somebody to uh, leave a local church? Uh, number, uh, fourth week, we talked about lawsuits. Why would you take it to the secular courts when you have uh, wise, spirit-filled people who can resolve conflicts in your own midst. Uh, week five, we talked about sexual immorality and its uh, impact on us spiritually and the importance of fleeing it. And then last week, uh, singleness, sex, and marriage. And in our text today, Paul talks about divorce and remarriage, which is uh, why you stayed home on a sunny Sunday to go to church, because you're so excited. Well, you have, uh, you've probably heard the, hey, over half of marriages uh, end in divorce, and you've probably heard that Christians are as uh, quick to divorce as anyone else, and I'm not sure those statistics are uh, accurate. I don't think it's as bad as all that. Uh, there was a book written in 2014 published by Multnomah Press. I respect Multnomah Press, and it, uh, the book was called The Good News About Marriage, uh, you know, it's not as bad as we might think. And so here are the, uh, the, the accurate statistics. 20 to 25% of first-time marriages end in divorce. And that's still a, a large percentage, but it's not as bad as you might have heard. That, the good news is 75 to 80% of first marriages last. Yay! Uh, now, 34% of remarriages end in divorce, uh, and... So it averages out to 31% of marriages end in divorce. But that means, you know, almost 70% last. And Christian marriages, uh, only 15 to 20% of Christian marriages end in divorce. That's still high and sad, uh, but uh, following Christ does make a difference in, in lasting. Now, these, are, these aren't just people who say, yeah, I'm a Christian they're actually practicing it. So these are people who are attending church and uh, they have spiritual disciplines in their lives. 80% of married couples claim to be happy, at least somewhat happy, somewhat to very happy. 80%, that's good. 
That's good news. We want it to be 100%, but... Now, the, uh, in 2017, the United States Census Bureau uh, published an article in which uh, they said 9.8% of American adults 15 and older have been divorced. So 10% uh, of the U.S. population has actually personally experienced divorce. And so extrapolate that out. Uh, there are uh, quite a few in this room who have experienced a divorce. And so this topic is as relevant today as it was in Paul's day. If divorce uh, has not touched you personally, uh, it's probably touched someone that you know and love. And you might not even be married, uh, but most likely you'll be asked to give wise, biblical, godly counsel to a friend who's uh, in this situation or, or asking questions about uh, divorce and remarriage. And God has given us some very clear teaching in the Bible, and so it's, um, it benefits us to have a biblical worldview on this question of divorce and remarriage. Um, you know, there are a couple things that make preaching this topic um, difficult, especially difficult, and one is uh, what angle to take. There are, there are many legitimate angles to take when preaching on this topic. Uh, for example, I could uh, issue a warning. Hey, Mary, you made a vow before God, uh, so don't neglect your vow. Um, marriage is to be for a lifetime. Malachi says that God hates divorce because it hurts people, and so you know, fulfill your vow, stick with your marriage. And uh, I could go that route, and that's legitimate. That's biblical teaching. Or I could take the uh, the compassionate angle of, hey, the reality, many Christians have experienced divorce. Or they've been kids whose parents got divorced. And, and you know what? God sees your pain. And he has compassion on you. And I could spike the compassionate heart of God. And that's absolutely uh, true. Or I could, I could uh, take the angle of casting hope. God can bring life out of death. He can bring beauty out of ashes. You know what? Uh, divorce is not the unpardonable sin. It does, it's not going to ruin your life. God has not given up on you. You have a great future. Uh, you know, we can, of any, anything, we can find forgiveness and redemption uh, in the Lord. Totally true, right? And I can pound that. And, and that's absolutely true. I can talk about uh, the destructive power of divorce and, and the, the wake, the, the kind of, the destructive wake it leads, leaves behind in individual, you know, husbands, uh, and wives' lives and children's lives, extended family, and, and, uh, and, and really point out, listen, don't take this lightly. Uh, yes, you might be unhappy today, but... Uh, remember when you get divorced, it has, it's like a bomb that you set off in your life. So many legitimate um, angles to take that are faithful to, uh, to the Bible and frankly need to be heard by uh, many different groups of people. Uh, so, but you can't do everything, right, in, in 30 minutes. So um, the other thing that makes preaching this text top, uh, this topic difficult is the fact that there are as many different situations as there are couples, right? And, and um, 
each situation requires prayer and wisdom and counsel. Uh, and, and so, and you cannot, I understand this, you can't help but listen to a sermon like this and be thinking, especially if you're one who's been divorced and, uh, or remarried, and you're thinking, what's Mike, what, what Mike think about my divorce? What does Mike think about, you know, my remarriage? And is he, you know, judging me? And that's not my purpose. I have no interest in judging your past, uh, but I need to... Uh, articulate the biblical teaching on this topic so that we can be informed and we can make uh, wise decisions and proper uh, godly response to our situation and so that we can advise, uh, give others uh, godly counsel. With all that said by way of introduction, now turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And today's text is verses 10 to 16. I'll read the text first. And I actually don't have it on the, on the slide today. I'm sorry. So you have to open your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Yay! To the married, I give this charge. Not I, but the Lord. Well, that's an in- interesting statement. Not I, but the Lord. Uh, does that mean that uh, when Paul talks on his own, it's not authoritative? No. He's an apostle, and this is the word of God. It's authoritative. But what he's saying to the Corinthians is, I'm going to tell you, I'm quoting from our Lord Jesus himself. Here he is. Here he says, The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say... I, not the Lord. So, so that first uh, charge, uh, he's quoting Christ. And uh, we're, Jesus is, uh, this is also recorded in the Gospel of Matthew and also the Gospel of Mark. But now Paul is uh, giving advice that um, Jesus didn't talk about the question of, what if I'm married to an unbeliever? But it's still authoritative because it's, from an apostle, and it's part of Scripture. So, to the rest I say, I not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who's an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband." Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? All right, so today I want to give six Uh, biblical principles that can guide us through this topic of um, divorce and remarriage. And the first uh, principle is found right here in verse 10, and it's this. God intends marriages to last a lifetime, which is why Paul says, to the married I give this charge, the wife should not separate from her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. Um, God did not intend marriages to be temporary. Uh, 
Uh, he didn't want them to be uh, tests. But rather, when you choose to marry someone, you're committing yourself to them for a lifetime. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, uh, we're told about a, a time in which the religious leaders of Israel, the Pharisees, uh, once again were trying to uh, trip Jesus up. They were trying to ask him a trick question to get him to say something that would uh, outrage the people or allow them to uh, arrest him. Chapter 10, verse 2, And the Pharisees came up and in order to test Jesus asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, Whatever God has joined together, let no man separate. Brilliant response. What do you mean by lawful? Uh, if you're asking, you know, is it lawful in Israel? Yes, because Moses uh, provided for divorce. But if you're asking, is it right in the eyes of God? Is it lawful in God's eyes? No. God never intended divorce uh, or marriage to be temporary. God intended marriage to be lifelong. And uh, God doesn't want marriages to end in divorce. That's God's revealed will. And so if you're wondering, uh, you know, what is God's will for my marriage? It is to last. <laughs> and, uh, and he wants you to fight for your marriage. And he wants you to do the hard work of changing to become the wife uh, that you need to be and to be the husband that you need to be. And uh, we can all change. And the Holy Spirit wants to change us. And uh, we shouldn't be surprised when living with another person uh, is difficult because we're, we're not yet fully like Christ, nor are they. Uh, so we want to uh, fight for our marriages. Uh, it's, and it's not God's, divorce is not God's will because divorce always hurts people. Always, doesn't it? Nobody knows this better than people who have themselves been divorced. Even when we say, oh, it's an amicable divorce. That means, you know, we've done the best we can to put a lid on the destructive power of the bomb. But it's still... <clears throat> you know, leaves destruction in its wake, and sometimes it's really uh, extensive. And kids get swept up into it, right? And the custody battles and legal battles and bank accounts get drained and extended family get uh, at odds with each other. And divorce is destructive, and God wants to save us from that. And it's not good for, you know, society. It's not good for children. It's not good for... Relationships, And so God's revealed will is, I want your marriage to last a lifetime. So fight for your marriage. But here's the reality. We live in a broken world. And we don't always do things God's way. And so divorce happens. And divorce is actually not always sinful. 
nor is everybody who has been divorced uh, at fault. You know, there's that saying, it takes two to tango. Well, yeah, but you know what? There are divorced people who are victims of the divorce, and it wasn't their fault. Their spouse made decisions that um, forced the divorce, and they're victims. <clears throat> the Bible gives two uh, grounds for divorce, two situations in which you are permitted to exit the marriage relationship. Uh, so that's our second point. The first one is God wants marriages to last a lifetime. The second biblical point is divorce is permitted, number one, where there is adultery. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, Jesus is recorded as saying, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. Uh, sexual immorality is the first biblical grounds for divorce. Uh, now some, this word in Greek is porneia, and, so, and some um, broaden the, its meaning or understand sexual immorality to include things like addicted to pornography or uh, sexting somebody else. I, in my per counseling of people, I don't. I limit this to uh, physical on um, a physical affair. You have joined yourself physically with another human being. Uh, and so uh, I don't, not everybody agrees with me, and they, they broaden the, the meaning of that word. I limit it to that when I'm counseling. That uh, if, if the, it's sinful, absolutely, addiction to pornography, and those are sinful acts that need to be repented of, uh, but I don't counsel divorce in that kind of a situation. Uh, but when, uh, your when a spouse commits adultery, they have granted their spouse uh, grounds for biblical grounds for divorce. So, very practically, what I do in those situations is I here's what I usually say. You know, first I grieve with them, and then I say, you know what, um, you have freedom. You have the freedom if you want to exit the marriage, and you have the freedom to remarry. But I would really encourage you not to do anything uh, very quickly. Just take time and pray and see what the Lord does. And you know what? In the last six infidelity uh, cases in which I've been involved, five of the six have remained together. And they have applied the gospel in an unbelievably broken uh, place. And it's amazing. They, is the, uh, they have freedom, and they choose to exercise their freedom to remain and fight for the marriage. And to me, that ends up glorifying the gospel, glorifying God, and doing a lot of really good work in people's hearts, right? So there's freedom uh, you're permitted, but you don't have to, you know, you don't have to exit. <clears throat> the uh, second biblical grounds for divorce, this is point three, divorce is permitted when an unbelieving spouse demands it. Uh, and that we see in our text here in uh, verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 7. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. 
In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God's called you to peace. So uh, Paul has just a little bit before this said, hey, uh, there was a question in Corinth. Here's what was happening is that people were getting saved in Corinth, and all of a sudden, you know, the husband gets saved and his wife's still not a Christian. And there was a question of, okay, you know, we don't, we don't have the same allegiance to Jesus. Should I just divorce my wife so I can be, you know, whole, holy for Christ? And Paul weighs in and says, no. If you're married, you remain faithful to that marriage. If the unbelieving spouse wants to live with you, then you let, then you let them live with you. But if the unbelieving spouse says, you know, I'm, I want out of here, and they separate, you, you are free uh, you are not enslaved in that situation. You may allow them to leave. Uh, and um, so that's the second biblical grounds for divorce. There are only two in the Bible. Uh, there are only, the Bible only addresses those two particular situations. And so as a pastor, I don't, free, I don't feel free to say, you know, uh, I just limit it to those two. Uh, and, but there's this big question about what do you do in situations of abuse, right? They, you know, abuse where there's physical abuse, there's uh, verbal abuse, maybe emotional abuse, or, or you've got a spouse who's addicted to drugs, they're an alcoholic, uh, and so that person is toxic and living together is very unhealthy. <clears throat> well, here's what I do is... Um, I think that in those situations, I don't see that as grounds for divorce, but I think it's probably often wise to physically separate from the situation. And I think that might be what Paul is, uh, has in mind in verse 11 in our text, uh, where he says, the wife should not separate from her husband, and then in parentheses, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. Okay? So I think maybe Paul has in mind these situations where it's, it's dangerous, it's very toxic, it's unhealthy to be living with that person, and you physically exit the situation. But here's what you don't do. You don't go get remarried. You don't start sleeping around. You don't do anything that would preclude the possibility of reconciling in the future. You entrust yourself to God in, in your singleness. You remain celibate. And you pray for you and you work toward and you hope for uh, a change in your spouse. And you know what? As Christians, if we give up on believing that God can change other people, we've given up on the gospel, haven't we? And I know uh, I've been up close and, and, and I know that this, it can be hard to hold on to hope. It can be hard to believe in change. But we can't give up on that because God can do anything. But you're not obligated to return until the dynamic changes, right? Now, I want to hold out one word of caution. I've seen this abused. And here's what I've seen. Uh, years go by, and uh, one of the, you know, the, the wife says, he's not the guy I really want. <laughs> Uh, and it's not abusive, it's just I'm not happy, and so I'm going to separate, and I'm going to live separate for his, you know, until he becomes the man I've always wanted. 
or until she becomes the woman I've always wanted. Uh, that to me is unhealthy and manipulative. I don't think that's appropriate. Uh, so I, I caution. I mean, we can always abuse these things. We can, if we want to, we will figure out how to justify any of our behaviors. Principle number four. When divorce is permissible, remarriage is also permissible. All right, if you have grounds for divorce, then you are free to remarry. I think that's what it means here in verse 15 when it says, in such cases the brother or sister is not enslaved. Uh, and not everybody agrees with this, uh, but that's my understanding. If you, are, if you have grounds for divorce, then, then you, have, you are free to remarry. Number five, when divorce is not permissible, any subsequent remarriage to someone other than your original spouse results in adultery unless grounds for divorce have occurred after the divorce. Okay, when, when divorce is not permissible, any subsequent remarriage to someone other than your spouse results in adultery. Uh, and that's... You know, that's what Jesus is saying here. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, or as Paul clarifies, uh, adds to, uh, if your unbelieving spouse leaves, and marriage another commits adultery. So, um, I had a friend who, uh, two friends, and they split up. And they, and then one of them went and got remarried. And in my, uh, I had been, and I was invited to the wedding and didn't go. Because I felt like even attending would be me saying, I support this. And I didn't think this person, this Christian had, you know, was free to remarry. That cost that friendship. And uh, it was confusing to some of, some of our mutual friends. And that's not fun, but I didn't feel, you know, a freedom. Uh, I had a couple come to me, and uh, they often do, right? I'm a pastor. Hey, can we, will you marry us? And I said, I'd love to marry you. But they'd been, uh, both of them had been married before. I said, but uh, for me to marry you, I'm going to have to make sure that you are free to remarry. So are you willing to let me kind of drill down on your past marriages and and so that I'm comfortable with, and they said, sure, go ahead. Now, somebody else had heard about that and, and thought that was odd, that I would uh, you know, examine that. And so they asked, well, that's weird. They're both divorced. They want to get remarried. It's better than living together. Shouldn't we, you know, why would we look any further into that? And so it's because the Bible says if, if they're not, that there are, there are, uh, Situ times in which people aren't actually free in God's eyes to remarry, what they need to be doing is remaining single and holding out the possibility of reconciliation. Now, uh, this last statement, unless grounds for divorce have occurred after the divorce, um, here's what I mean by that. The husband and wife, they, they separate or they get divorced they didn't have one of the two biblical grounds for it. They just they're mad at each other, right? Well, you know, now he starts hooking up with another woman. Well, now he's now he has committed adultery, 
or she goes and gets remarried. All right, now you have uh, severed the oneness, and then I think divorce becomes um, uh, a possible, permitted. Now, uh, not everybody would agree with that. Uh, I think that might be a little bit, yeah, not everybody would agree with that. That's how I counsel, my understanding of Scripture. Uh, and then finally, let's go to this. Final point, uh, principle. Im improperly divorced and remarried Christians, okay, those who were not free to remarry biblically, but they did, what do you do? And so sometimes uh, people will sort of wake up and say, whoa, I, shouldn't, I should never have remarried. What do you do? You stay as you are. You're married. And you work to have the best possible you know, marriage that you can have. You do not go and get divorced, right? You stay together and you work to have the best possible marriage. And you go to Christian marriage seminars and you listen to, uh, you, yeah, you do your best to have the best new marriage you can have. And, you, you know, but repent and be forgiven of past sins and make whatever amends are necessary. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Listen, marriage is not the unpardonable sin. It's significant because it involves, you know, lots of people. And it's, um, yeah, it's a significant deal that, uh, that has a lot of implications for our lives. But like anything else, we can recover through the grace of God and the power of God. Right? First uh, John 1 9, if we confess our sins other than the sin of divorce and remarriage, right? Then we can find forgiveness. That's not what it says. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, uh, yes, you, you, uh, we look in, in our past and we say, you know what, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. That was sinful. And forgive me of that. And in my heart, I purpose that in the future, I, would, I won't do that again. I will do it differently. God's not interested in beating us up about the past. He's all about the future and living the best life that, that he has for us in Christ. Okay? So I want <clears throat> to conclude with uh, a conclusion from De Kevin DeYoung's sermon on this topic that's published in the Gospel Coalition. I just thought he summarized this so well. I'm going to read this. To the married, stay married. Guard your marriage. Don't think you're above falling. Don't think you're above temptation. Pray together. Take walks together. Get away from the kids to be together. There are few things more precious in life than your marriage. Don't take it for granted. And if you're contemplating divorce, please talk to someone. Don't give up. To the divorced and single, if you had grounds for divorce, our church wants to do everything we can to make sure no one looks down on you. If you've been sinned against, we don't want to treat you as a sinner. We do not want you to run from the church, but find grace and fellowship here. If you're divorced but shouldn't be, can you find hope in your heart 
that God might be able to reconcile you and your spouse, it would be a great trophy of his grace to bring you two back together. And to those who have sinfully divorced, and to those who have, whose sin has caused the divorce, and to those who are now remarried when they shouldn't be, run to the cross. It's not a light thing to tear asunder what God has joined together. It's no small mistake to pursue an adulterous second marriage, but God's grace is not light either, and it's not a small thing either. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. There is mercy yet for you. The contrition must be real. The admission of guilt must be honest. The repentance must, must be earnest. But a broken heart and a contrite spirit, the Lord will never deny. Let me underline that and spike that. A broken spirit, a contrite heart, the Lord will not deny. Ever. Run to God, plead with God, know his adopting love, experience again his free, justifying grace. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you tell us your um, best plan for us. And Lord, uh, because you want to save us from uh, the heartbreak that sin always brings. And so Lord, those who are married, uh, by your spirit, would you just steal our resolve uh, to love each other for a lifetime. Motivate us to do the hard work of changing any unhealthy dynamics, whether they're in ourselves or in the way we relate Lord, would you um, just express your love and compassion and your redemptive heart for uh, those who have been divorced, Lord, who, who are hurting, heal the hurts. And Lord, even, even those who are here, Lord, who, who feel like it was my fault, would you just give them um, just hope and freedom? to walk forth. And Lord, we just pray your blessing on all our marriages, first-time marriages, uh, second-time marriages, third-time marriages. Help this marriage to last and honor you in the power of your spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.